The world's most influential companies look to LEK Consulting to enable growth, prepare for the future, and increase their impact. If you're ready to be a part of a top strategy consultancy, the firm is actively looking to add to its team of 1,800 consultants across 20 global offices. At LEK, you'll work on a wide variety of business problems to help clients solve their most pressing issues, from revenue growth to M&A to performance improvement and more. In addition, you'll gain exposure to a range of industries and problem types, resulting in world-class career progression opportunities. Ready to start making an impact from day one? Learn more about current opportunities and apply today at lek.com or click the link in this episode's show notes. Welcome to this episode of Strategy Simplified. Today we get to talk with Brendan Mullen, Managing Director at Secha Capital in Johannesburg, South Africa. Brendan and his team take a hands-on approach to the businesses that they invest in with their unique operator investor model. Today we'll get to hear all about Secha, opportunities to join the firm, and Brendan's journey through finance, a Duke MBA, and Bain on his path to Secha as well. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Brendan, we want to thank you so much for joining us here today on Strategy Simplified. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure and an honor. I'm a fan of the podcast and the work that you do. Oh, Brendan, thanks so much. We'd love if you could just kick us off here with a quick overview of who you are and your background. Absolutely. Uh, I'm the co-founder and managing director of, of Secha Capital, uh, which we'll get into in a moment. But I live in Johannesburg, South Africa, where I've been for about 10 years Originally from Boston, uh, but now married with, with two kids under three. And in case you hear any background noise at some point, um, I guess my my professional background is was actually spans a gamut: campaign politics, then a hedge fund, then my MBA, clean tech VC, strategy consulting with with Bain, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and the MBA at Duke, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and now uh, kind of lower mid market private equity uh, impact in, in, in Africa. And I think if there's a, a through line through each stop. It's that I, I always felt a little bit of an outsider to, to each one. And I think that served me well. And I saw the best and worst of whether it be politics or finance or consulting, but also wanted to kind of tweak it to serve uh, both its maximum potential, but also from an impact perspective and to kind of crowd in more people at the table and kind of took those lessons to co-founding Secha about six years ago, which, which I'm sure we'll get into in a moment. Absolutely. Let's just go ahead and jump right there now. Tell us a little bit more about Secha. Yeah, so Secha um, is a lower mid-market private equity fund in Southern Africa. A lot of words there, but it focuses on traditional industries making the green economy tech-enabled and or post-COVID transition. Uh, we employ uh, a unique model called an operator-investor model, um, where concisely we second a team member into the portfolio of a company for a year to complement our growth equity checks. All right, so we uh, we started with a kind of a proof of concept fund, very small, small fund, uh, writing small check growth equity checks. Invested in so today we've and now we're on our second fund of fifty million dollars, so more of a kind of proper fund size. We've invested in eleven companies, eight of which are female founded. Average revenue growth is twelve x. We've created over two hundred jobs. Uh, maybe to brag a little bit, our first investment native child uh, has grown over hundred x. And our first three fund two investments are respectively in the renewable energy, agri-tech, and food security space. 
Um, yeah, happy to go to go further into to what we've done and how we're differentiated. But I think that's a nice, nice quick. Oh, and I should say we're focused on Southern Africa for for fun too in terms of our investments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I would love if you could actually brag a little bit more. Would love to hear um, a few more of the details. You already mentioned Native Child, but um, you know you could speak a little bit more about that or, or others. What are some of the investments that you're most proud of? Yeah, I mean, you're asking me to choose my favorite child, <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe maybe two things to cover. So yeah, we like I mentioned, we we invested in a lot of women founded and, and run companies, a lot in the female and beauty space. Um, so Native Child was an interesting one. So that's natural hair care for women of, of color. So a niche growth vertical. The multinationals didn't understand the pain points. They don't have the authenticity to to solve. But that. Um, and, and maybe for your, for your listeners, as I mentioned, I'm from Boston. I'm a pretty stereotypical, uh, white guy, you know, from America. And, and here I am talking about natural hair care. And, and I think that's kind of key. You know, our team is, looks different than me. We're young, we're diverse, and, and that's enabled us to kind of invest where others wouldn't understand, uh, and wouldn't take the time. So yeah, first investment, native child, natural hair care for women of color. Let us to wigs, right? And, uh, I always joke, I'm one of the few people probably from Boston that knows, uh, or guys from Boston that knows the difference between a Brazilian and Peruvian wig, a four by four or a full frontal. You know, I know the difference between 4C and 4B hair. Um, and that, that's actually part of our kind of a, a secret sauce, those kind of unique insights for, for boots on the ground. So, um, yeah, we invest in this company, Hair Town, uh, that is in the wig market. It's just massive. It's, it's three times the size, uh, South Africa alone is three times the size of the wig market in the U.S. And we co-created with the founder Wukina, which is Af- Africa's Avon for wigs. Mm. So massively impactful. Um, you know, a lot of resellers, uh, people who can, uh, primarily women would, would sell wigs as a side hustle. And then we sold that in a management buyout to our resellers last year. So that was pretty great. Um, not a massive exit for us, but we, we made some money. And now, now the, the, the women that were originally just resellers, you know, you're kind of Avon model. They, they own equity in the business. Uh, maybe the second one, just to go on the other side of the spectrum, more of a recency bias, but interesting to talk about, is our second fund to investment culture fresh. It's a hydroponic and environmentally controlled farm in the Western Cape. It's the biggest supplier of lettuce to the major retailers in, in the Western Cape. So here in South Africa and soon to be all of Africa. And I just think in a um, kind of a post, you know, Russia, Ukraine world, the way we do this industrialized farming as opposed to land farming, Yes, we save 90% of water, uh, our yields are much higher and faster, but we don't require synthetic chemicals, fertilizers as, as inputs. Hmm. Um, we actually, and since we're uh, on the off-grid, off entirely solar and battery-based, with one of actually such as other portfolio companies, we don't use uh, you know, energy from the grid. So it's just very clean, you know, we don't, you know, all, the cost of fertilizers have gone up for land-based uh, agriculture, not us. It's, uh, you know, we use biostimulants, if, if any. And it's just, uh, it gives me hope that the, the future of food production, food security uh, is actually easily solvable with some industrialized techniques that, that, that kind of uh, modernize the traditional land farmer. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Uh, how diverse your portfolio is and what you've been able to get involved in in your work here at Secha. Um so I caught that right. The the size of the wig market in South Africa is three times the size of that market in the U.S. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And the and the the farming work that you're doing, it's off grid solar. Is that is that because it's hydroponic or? Well, yes, and just because uh, you know we like to 
like I said, Secha, we follow kind of global trends and things things you, you read about and then try to adopt it at the local market, right? And so we can talk about how we're thesis driven and maybe that's one of the ways. Because solar, is, the sun shines a lot in South Africa and land is cheap. So instead of vertical farming that you might find in you know, Singapore, where I think there's a lot of them and equilibrium capital is invested a lot there. Uh, land is cheap and, and sun is plentiful. What we don't have is water, you know, and, and, and what, what is expensive is, is fertilizer. So we kind of try to fit that. And so, yeah, primarily, primarily off grid there, um, by virtue of the, the cost. And, and then because our local grid provider, uh, is intermittent, uh, let's be that way. And also that's what com- compelled Secha to invest in a battery storage player, uh, called iGen. Um, also the rare renewable company that's, that's, that's black and female founded. And you mentioned kind of diverse and, and I would agree, but all, these are all kind of more traditional industries that are evolving due to tech enablement, green economy, where, where like these changes are really hitting the bottom line. So it's not impact just for impact's sake. Though our primary KPI is job creation. We do love that. But yeah, um, these businesses are making money in these, these times of, of transition. Mm-hmm. Put it mm-hmm. What are the some ways that you that you choose your investments? I mean, it just sounded like you spoke about, well, you know, this led us to battery storage, you know, power storage is um, do you look for those linkages across your portfolio? What are some of the other key ways that you consider and evaluate possible investments? Yeah, we like to say we invest in adolescent companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so not startups. And, you know, that's where we are kind of maybe in the other parts of the world you'd call it micro private equity or lower mid market. Um, but we like unsexy sectors, you know, quote unquote, these companies are very sexy and then seeing some sort of change that can be there. And that's why we're very thesis driven. You know, when we decided on natural hair care, we met with five companies and the native child wigs, we met with eight different wig companies, uh, battery storage, four or five different ones. And what we are ultimately looking for, I guess maybe there's two primary filters at the top, um, and all you, native child is the first example. So that's a niche growth vertical adjacent to a very large market that, uh, you know, there, there can be an insurgent brand or where a local player can under, understand the pain points or solve for something that a multinational cannot. Uh, right. So that's whether that's native child understanding the local consumer, uh, primarily young black women or yeah, culture fresh, you know, solving for land farming in, in, in South Africa. Uh, where, where people have not adopted, you know, hydroponics or environmentally controlled solutions. The other one would be a large fragmented market that can be reinvigorated. And that's again why that can be different. It's, uh, it's uh, so that's the wig market. It's a huge market. There's not a lot of brand equity or the biltong market. So that's kind of like the beef jerky equivalent, uh, here in South Africa. Again, huge market, but there's not a lot of innovation. And in these high use case sectors, a little innovation goes a long way. And then, of course, we also like we don't again, we're not VC. We don't invest in winner take all. And we do kind of like investing in atoms that can leverage bits. So, uh, you know, a local producer, a local player can win as opposed to an importer. But we can still use some of that tech enablement uh, component to to modernize these companies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tell me a little bit more what you mean by being thesis driven. Yeah, sure. So. Secha has been around five, six years now. Uh, we're not a brand. We're, we're not expecting people to come to us dying to take our capital. And as we'll talk about the operator investor model, we are differentiated. So that's, those are probably the two ways we are primarily differentiated. We do a lot of more of the work up front to come up with a, the idea. 
of where is there an opportunity to invest? And then we look to see if that company exists. We actually kind of create a what you have to believe or request for company almost. And then we see, and then we align with the entrepreneurs. That's because, uh, you know, one, um, it's since we're operational, we get greater insights, we think, than other investors. And two, sometimes the companies that are looking to raise money, especially if they talk VCPE language, that's, that's not necessarily the best opportunities we see it. Hmm. Um, and this does borrow from certain asset classes of the search fund model, which I think one of your podcasts mentioned of, you know, an MBA, maybe after a couple of years at a MBB, you go and you go buy a business, maybe a lifestyle business, but you can help scale it. There's components of that into our model. And then the operating partner model of kind of bigger private equity of really get creating value add creation. So we think that if, if we can kind of clean up the, the red ocean uh, and then find opportunities that are kind of blue ocean, that can create the financial returns and impact that we're looking for. And that's the other way that we can be differentiated. We don't follow the portfolio construction of classic VC of a third home runs, a third strikeouts, a third on base. Most of the companies in our portfolio are going to deliver at least some return. And if a few of them are 10 or 20x, that, that's great. But we're, we expect to average kind of three to five X and that kind of gives you that 20 plus percent IRR annually. If you just have a, a lot of good quality, free cash flow returning companies after a few years. Mm-hmm. And, and within that, you started to allude to your business model and the, the unique positioning that you're taking here in the space. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So the other differentiation is this operator investor model. And this is why I'm so happy to be speaking with you and, and the audience of consultants, aspiring consultants, former consultants is that, um, and that's who we primarily recruit from. So maybe to explain it, when we invest in a company, we second a team member into the company day to day for a year. Um, so sometimes that means she's going in as a chief of staff and just kind of putting on fire, helping the CEO. Other times it's the new head of our sales team. Um, sometimes it's a capital raise and that's why we call it operator investor. We think that, you know, finance is teachable, especially at this level. Money is, is fungible, but value add is crucial. You need to complement that growth capital with human capital. And yes, we found, uh, historically the best have come from kind of strategy consulting. Uh, now, namely the people that want to do the work after the slides, uh, we found that that kind of consulting toolkit when applied to operations can be incredibly, incredibly powerful. Um, maybe just with the analogy. So, you know, I spent what three and a half years at Bain uh, here in Johannesburg, but also all, all around the continent, uh, in the in, to, to a lesser degree of the world. And we uh, we were really good at building the map, right? So here's the map. Here's where you need to go. The map is crucial. I don't take that away. Um, but in these businesses, especially, you need somebody to drive the car. Um, and there's often a human capital gap. The entrepreneurs are great, but they you know, it's tough for them to recruit, you know, afford, develop, retain high quality human capital. So this is an opportunity to help d- design the map, you know, create the the strategy pyramid, the 100 day plan, nine month plan, and then execute, drive that car. You know, maybe not drive it, maybe the, the passenger seat with the entrepreneur, uh, but that's fundamentally what we do. Um, and yeah, so we've had 10 operator investors throughout the, the life cycle that we've had. And the the accomplishments that they've had across the portfolio are, are massive and varied, and they didn't always get it right. We've made a lot of mistakes, but no finger pointing, but a, a great experience for somebody to kind of leave the consulting world, uh, get their hands dirty while having maybe the pedigree of, of private equity or former Bain or what have you. 
so it's been a lot of fun and a great learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know certainly from from consultants and ex-consultants that I know, a, a, a lot of times what draws people away from the work is that lack of implementation, lack of being able to, as you said, get your hands dirty, actually be involved in the work. And now here you are actually injecting um, your people into these businesses. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how you do that, your hiring process, whether or not you're hiring now. Um, do you look for specific people based on the the openings that you see within your portfolio? Do you just look for the, the you know top quality talent? Um, kind of, what's that process look like for you? Yes, we are hiring now. We should hopefully soon be announcing our next close on our fund. And so we will be uh, hiring uh, two more operator investors. So our team will never be that large. And our operator investors won't stay with us for 10 years in the fund. There'll be maybe a couple that will be promoted. But the idea is you have to have two or three years uh, cycling through a couple of companies, then go on. Often, you know, historically, people started their own companies, gone on to bigger PE uh, or joined other startups. Uh, The hiring process is yeah. So first starters, uh, I want to let the the consulting audience know. You know, I think sometimes as a consultant, there's somebody that left finance. Uh, myself, I was a bond analyst, so it wasn't banking. But you kind of felt, oh, it's harder to get back into finance, or it's harder to get into to PE if you come from consulting, not not IB or you know such. And that is not the case for us. Not not to denigrate finance uh, or investment banking, but that skill can be taught, and we've really found that the toolkit of uh, of consulting uh, is more helpful. And I, you know, what we're looking for are one, yeah, the people that do want to do the work after the slides, because there's a lot of un, there are a lot of like mundane, boring, but important work uh, when you're actually operational. Uh, and it can be tough. It's not, you know, this is not uh, fancy dinners by the client. This is, this is sometimes, you know, I mean, I've stood in front of a petrol station, a, uh, gas station in the U.S. and handed out Biltong, you know, samples. And uh, I've uh, done surveys with, you know, hundreds of, of, of women in townships to find out, you know, how much they're willing to spend on wigs. Um, I've waited hours for a buyer at uh, at Discam to just, you know, have take a meeting with me so that we can get our our products on the shelves. Um, but that if that sounds like fun, or at least, you know, sometimes sounds like fun, that that's the role for you. And like I said, you know, we're looking for Decathletes, people that can flex a lot of muscles and maybe not the best modeler or the best X or Y, but we're looking for the best talent stack. You know, can you do these things? And of course, with that is, yes, EQ is important. Persistence is important. Being able to be you know, uh, independent is important. And that's why that strategy consulting toolkit is important. Like answer first, pyramid principle, meesiness, all those things that are kind of cliches in the world. They're, they're honestly, I think they're even more important at a, at a you know, operational level, you know, outside of the, of the advisory world. We'll come back to the show after this brief message. Maximize your chances of landing a top 10 consulting offer by joining Black Belt, Management Consultants premium case prep program. In Black Belt, you receive one-on-one mentorship and prep support from a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant. Your coach will develop a personalized plan for you and guide you through drill-based coaching sessions. Black Belt also includes expert resume and cover letter edits because case prep is only so good if you don't get that interview. And finally, it includes an exclusive group training session led by an ex-McKinsey consultant. Fun fact, 80% of Black Belt's land offers, which is why it's the world's most effective consulting prep program. <laughs> 
If you're ready to quit wasting time in your prep process, join today. Limited seats remain for the July cohort of Black Belt. You can learn more and register at the link in this episode's show notes. Now, let's get back to the show. And so these owner investors who uh, get to go out into the world, be a part of these portfolio companies, what kind of connection do they still have with you and the core team? And is it, you know, the, any other training that you help establish with them for them to be successful? Yeah. So the goal is for them to feel as though they're just as much employees of Secha as they are the portfolio company. Mm. We don't always get that right, but, but that's, you know, aligning incentives. So they get deal by deal carry. And we want the entrepreneur and the team to feel like, you know, uh, so, I'll use Kukle. Uh, Kukle is our, our principal. She was a, an operating investor at Rush Nutrition. You know, Lara referred to her as an employee of Rush just as much as, as, as Secha. So there is a lot of engagement. You know, maybe again, borrowing from consulting, that is the, you know, if I'm the quote partner, uh, this is the, the case team leader or what have you. So like very involved, much more at the, ideally at the operating company. Because, yeah, that, that's one of the problems we see with private equity on the continent. You know, investor usually means investor relations. You're not spending that much time with your portfolio companies. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, this is our, like the GPs and, the, and the, the seniors get out of the way for the operating investor to maximize the value add that they can at the portfolio level. Mm-hmm. And we're a learning organism. We've invested in you know, 11, 12 companies now. So there's a lot of synergies that we've taken lessons. So we're getting better, faster, stronger, codifying those lessons, making sure we apply them across the portfolio. Uh, so it very, it very much is a... Um, you know, a, a reciprocal relationship uh, with a lot of, of oversight, but and then as much freedom as as the operator investor kind of wants, uh, proves that they deserve. And that's, and you know, that's the best case scenario for us where they just feel, you know, they are a principal, not an agent. And that's always what we're trying to solve for. So that, you know, uh, when I was at Bain, did it, did it affect me if, you know, one of our clients, you know, increased... Uh, profit next year, you know, 5%. No, I mean, that was the goal. But our operating investors live and die on, you know, on, you know, monthly management accounts, um, GP margin expansion. And, and that's, that's the fun. And it's also why the job can be, can be tough in, in a way or emotionally tough in a good way, I think. Mm-hmm. So th- these operator investors, they get to, own something, they have agency, they have, um, they, and they make real impact is, is what I'm, what I'm hearing you saying. Um, Absolutely. They get to hire people, they get to grow revenue, they get to see Mm -hmm. the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. um, And yeah, learn every component of a, of a company, sometimes some areas more than others, but you really leave with a, you know, the, the entrepreneurship MBA. And that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of people are looking for while having a lot of impact. Mm, mm. Well, we, we are not done with our conversation yet, but I'm sure that there are some of our listeners who are really interested in this operator investor opportunity with you at Secha. For those who are interested, where could they go to learn more? Yeah, plenty of it. So SechaCapital.com, S-E-C-H-A-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Um, you can email me. Could get lost. It's easier just email. You know, feel free, Brendan at Setcha Capital. Uh, so B R E N D A N. But also the associate handle is really good repository for that. Mm-hmm. And then just to make me happy, follow us on Twitter, on on LinkedIn. We do produce a lot of content out there um, that we think is a little bit differentiated in in the market. So I would always appreciate that. Uh, but uh, yeah, send us an email. We uh, we're, we're happy to chat, especially for people that have listened to this, have, have done their homework, and, and are excited. 
Uh, now, well, I mean, we do have a bias, obviously, for for local operator investors, so Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we're expanding it. You know, so hey, especially if we have people here listening from Mozambique, Zambia, Lesotho, Eswatini, uh, that that that's uh, those are the next few investments. So that'd be great. But you know, we have had American and European uh, uh, interns before, and some have become operator investors. So not entirely turning that down. Sure, sure. Well, uh, that that helps lead into the the next part of the conversation, because I'm sure there are others who are so curious how you got to where you are. Right. Um, And I know that part of that journey was a Fuqua MBA. So so it's it's always great to chat with a fellow Fuquan. Um, That's the answer, Stephanie. It's entirely Fuqua. (laughs) It's Kathy Clark and uh, Case I3. uh, what, what other shout outs could I get? But, you know, my my dream MBA internship was at uh, a Durham company, SJF Ventures. Mm. Uh, that was my first foray into kind of the VC world. And that was monumental. And actually, a lot of the such an operator investor model came from that. I was seconded to one of the SJF portfolio companies for mm. a few weeks when I was a venture fellow for a year. And that was great. And I thought more, I assumed more VC PE firms would do that, especially on the continent of Africa, where, yeah, a lot of the multinationals have hollowed out the management gap, you know, uh, the, the availability of talent there. And what I thought I'd see at Bain, and I did to a degree, but not as much of, let's get a little bit more operational because, you know, this is, you know, we're trying to bring, you know, best practices and we're talking about multiples or, you know, hundreds of percentages points, not basis points. And didn't really see that. It wasn't designed for the local context. Uh, and so that's what we're trying to do with Setcher, kind of bring first principles, or to use a term that nobody else likes, but I do, but kind of a biomimicry approach or biomimetic disruption to to an asset class that uh, has otherwise been kind of copy and paste here on the continent. So yeah, Fuqua was a great experience. Durham's a beautiful city. And uh, yeah, that was the life choice of figuring out where am I going to go. It was 2013 and uh, had an offer in Durham, had an offer in Dubai. And then the opportunity to come to Johannesburg uh, with with Bain and uh, have three very different cities, but uh, but a great opportunity. All thanks to thanks to Duke. Oh, absolutely! Uh, tell us a little bit more about that next step. Then um, uh, your experience at Bain. What made you leave, um, and how that also helped lead you to where you're at now? The great experience at. Bain, South Africa. I was very lucky as well, or maybe forceful. I got to travel all over the continent and work for very interesting cases, not always just kind of big multinationals. So I enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. A lot of private equity and due diligence. Uh, I think I was able to travel to 12 different countries on the continent wow. with Bain with Bain alone, as well as uh, kind of a maybe my favorite story uh, that kind of encapsulates that is so I'm based in Johannesburg. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess I spent about like nine months in Nigeria. But the other country I spent a lot of time in, oddly, was Eswatini, then known as Swaziland, hmm. helping the local sugar association. And we were going to Brazil to do to learn about kind of the modern practices in, in sugar, you know, ethanol, et cetera. And I had, so there I am, an American passport. I'm in Eswatini, uh, from, you know, my office is in South Africa. I had to send my passport to Mozambique to get a last-minute Brazilian visa in order to go over to to Brazil for two weeks, and and that's why I kind of you know I always think of that of like inc- incorporates you know multiple continents, multiple, multiple countries, doing really interesting things in 
And then in a market that we invest in now, not sugar specifically, but took a lot of those lessons from the agricultural uh, value chain. And now one of our, our, our one of our principals, Kufe, who I mentioned earlier, uh, her family works in the sugar industry in Iswatini. Uh, so it became a, a you know kind of a very small world uh, in, in that regard. Hmm. So lots of good memories of, of Bain, uh, and uh, but yeah, three and a half years was was about right. I, I that was kind of always the plan. I always wanted to get back into uh, or wanted to get into this. I guess Secha was kind of always the the end goal. Um, it helped to refine it, and and I couldn't have done it without kind of that that toolkit for sure. I mean, we like I said, it was been three and a half years. I so that's you know, six plus years ago that I left, we still talk about it possibly too much because my co-founder Rasheel is, uh, or one of the co-founders Rasheel is also a, a Bain alum. Um, but uh, yeah, we talk about it quite a bit and we use that lessons. I, I use the lessons from Bain way more than I use the lessons from from kind of uh, finance and, you know, working at the hedge fund. So. Sure. No, I mean, and, and, and applicable. Uh, in that part of your career journey and pathway, did you... Um, I, I assume that during your three and a half years at Bain, you didn't always get to do, um, social sector work, you know, impact investing type work, you know, that you're also doing things which, um, were, were maybe a little bit more, um, you know, just, just serving for-profit, you know, profit-driven companies. Um, did you feel any, any tension about that? that stage in your life and the, you know, the, the, the knowledge and the, and that you wanted to get back to, um, what might, you might consider more meaningful work. Um, maybe you didn't and that's fine, but I just, I'm curious about that, you know, especially somebody who started off and you're getting an education when I'm in a case, social impact investing type role, and then you decide to go to Bain. Um, what was that like for you? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and I think I, let's see. I, I guess I have three three components to my answer to that. In, in one, the the goal of Secha is we want to create financial returns because we need to bring in more commercial capital, and we want to kind of grow this asset class and make it replicable. And you know, that's the most ambitious. Like we can prove that it's you know kind of adolescent stage or small growing business investing, you can make money as well as impact. That's awesome. So, you know, let's have more sketches out there. Let's get more LPs that are not just DFIs to invest in this space. Like that's our ultimate goal. Uh, so I think returns are a good thing. And I think mm-hmm. it's and especially it's almost easy to be impact, maybe too easy, though. You know, we like to track jobs and carbon abatement and obviously the gender lens is, is very strong. Um, secondly, probably one of the more quote unquote boring cases I did at Bain, a PMO project management office mm-hmm. was in retrospect, one of the best ways to do it. Cause you saw every component of a company. Mm. Um, and so I didn't appreciate that at the time, much like I didn't with some of the other learnings at, at Bain. Um, but yeah, PMO, you see the importance of the importance and inter uh, and interaction of all the major kind of verticals within capabilities within a company from HR to finance to IT uh, so that was really edifying. And as our companies get larger, I appreciate that lesson more and more. And then the third is, while I love my experience there, and I've, I've mentioned this to, to some of my mentors and the partners, I don't feel as though strategy consulting firms here are always built with the local context in mind. Uh, I always, you know, and uh, I think, um, and yeah, I never worked for any of the parastatals uh, that some of the, you know, is 
let you all read the news, but yeah, Bain and McKinsey have gotten in some trouble here down in Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's, uh, I think some of it's sensationalized, but some of it, uh, I think it's because it's not built for the local context. Um, especially when the, your primary clients are going to be government, government related. I think, uh, I think that's tough. And I was lucky not to do that. I got to travel the world primarily, yeah, FMCG, agri and private equity. Um, but to pay the bills, keep the lights on. If you're a big consulting firm, uh, I think there's a disconnect sometimes between that, that business model and the ability uh, to win clients locally. Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate you taking a second to, to think through that, 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 that potential disconnect that, that would have been there as you um, so well stated. So would love to just wrap up here with a, with a, with a couple of fun, maybe more personal questions. Um, what's a favorite memory of your time at Bain? Let's see. So, uh, you know, I mentioned from a case, it was, it was maybe that, that East Watini shooter where I got to go to Brazil. Yeah. But I, I think maybe the, the best memory is, is uh, I'll be kind of cheesy here. Uh, my co-founder, Rashil Vallab and I met on a case with, um, with a major FMCG, with the Bain Brand Accelerator Toolkit, which I thought was one of the, the most powerful things we did. And we borrowed heavily from it. Uh, and hopefully giving them credit, we've told it at, at Setcha, just a very codified toolkit of, a, of looking at a, a brand, but also, you know, kind of a any consumer facing company and then really even a B2B to com- company in order to kind of do a bunch of analysis if you have enough data and then really zeroing in on how we can help create value. Um, and that's when I met Rashil. And then a year later, he and I uh, decided to start Setcha. And I always like to to say that I found two life partners the same week. I proposed to my now wife the same week that Rashil and I decided to start Secha. So, hopefully, two lifelong relationships. So, so that's 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 a very nice, nice memory there. And uh, and yeah, this was a FMCG that uh, also does coffee. So free coffee every day. I mean, free high end coffee every day. You know, you can't you can't beat that stuff. You yeah, can't exactly. beat that. Exactly. You can't beat exactly. that. Um, and then finally, here, what's what's something that you're you're consuming something you're reading or watching right now yeah you did you were kind of have to prep me with this question and i thought I'd, I'd throw some books out there that you know are a little high-minded and, and i could and create some bona fides but I, I'll, I'll pick two things that i think should get the attention that i don't know if they, they deserve one the book is um the bond king by mary childs it's about mm. the rise and fall of bill gross of pimco just a very readable mm. book it reminds me, not that I was ever this grandiose, but it reminds me of my time on the on the on the bond desk uh, when I worked at, at Putnam Investments. Just a really fun book to read. And the second, a TV show that, that my, my wife and I love that I feel like doesn't get enough press. And I want it to exist. It's it's for all mankind. It's a show. Uh, it's a counterfactual um, or historical fiction. If the uh, Russians beat the U.S. to the moon, and then the different timeline. It's now in season three. I just think it's such a such a good TV show. But I, I don't see much press about it, so I, yeah, I'm worried it'll be canceled before it's time. So if more people could watch it, I think it's on Apple TV, uh, and it's it's really well done. And you know, it's the nice you know, it's a little bit of 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 drama, but also kind of that fun historical fiction. Um, so yeah, neither really have much to do with what I do in my day to day, etc. But yeah, more more in a personal. These are the things I've I've been enjoying of late. No, this is a great opportunity to get to know you and your business <laughs> and your journey. Um, <clears throat> we've had quite a wide ranging conversation today, Brennan, really want to thank you again for being willing to join us here. Um, 
Any other kind of parting words that you have maybe for our audience as we wrap up? Yeah, no, maybe just to, to reemphasize and sorry to pitch my book, but we, not every private equity firm will say, we don't want financiers. We want con- like the consulting toolkit. Mm. And I like emphasizing that you don't always realize when you're entering consulting or leaving it, how much you learn. And we see that every day, um, you know, myself and people we hire and how powerful that can be outside of that in the real world. Uh, I'm using air quotes because I know consulting is the real world. And so, yeah, I think it's a great, you know, I, I wish that, you know, I had done that out of undergrad, but I, you know, I wasn't prestigious enough to, to get an MBB offer, uh, back then. Uh, but then you can kind of do, do great things and, and, you know, using those skills, you know, uh, in, in a very directed way can create a ton of impact. And that's what we hope we're doing here at Setcha. So we hope that we can hire more and more people that are kind of in, in the management consulted universe. So please do reach out if, if, if this sounds like a fit for you. Thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure to talk with a fellow Fuquin and ex-consultant. If you're interested in joining Setcha in the work that they do, please check out the link in the show notes and read more at setchacapital.com. And if you're still working on getting into consulting, then please consider working with us here at Management Consulted and one of our coaches. You can always read more at managementconsulted.com and check out a link in the show notes to our platform resources and coaching services to help you get that first job. We'll see you next time.